0: Hi everyone, happy new year, and I hope you had a merry Christmas. Following last week's reading of To Lose the World and Gain My Soul, I wanted to do another year-end episode where I take things a little bit easier, maybe just share a few thoughts and get ready for 2023. This has been a pretty interesting year for me, and I don't usually like the word interesting. Most of the time when people say interesting, they don't actually mean of interest, but in my case, I actually mean that. This has been a year of some pretty impressive professional growth for me and also some pretty significant unforeseen personal challenges, which have kind of served as headwinds that have halted a bit of forward progress. But I kept moving nonetheless. So as we wrap up the end of the year, I have over 11,000 followers on Instagram, more than 5,000 followers on Twitter. I've got a few hundred email list subscribers. I'm closing in on a thousand subscribers on YouTube, which is a pretty big deal. That'll actually allow me to be monetized. So that's a pretty exciting milestone for anyone on YouTube. And this podcast has now crossed 10,000 monthly downloads, which is also a huge milestone. I think it's generally understood in the podcasting world that once you get to that level, you're considered a quote real podcast. And so that was a big achievement just a couple months ago. In addition to all that, I spoke at a conference, the Line 2 conference in February, which was a pretty big deal. I appeared on Cultish, and I'm still getting emails about that appearance. I did the Rewire the West video series. And again, I really urge you to check out episode five if you haven't done that yet. I had my two year anniversary podcast with the crew from Spirit Dream and had some pretty amazing other appearances, like on the Psychedelic Christian podcast and the Svetsky Wake Up podcast, both of which gave me an opportunity to talk about my experience with psychedelics and what I think about them today. Behind the scenes, I've also been working on a documentary project. You may have heard some of my guests mention it, one or two of them. It's not something that I talk about much publicly, but it's hopefully something you're going to hear about soon. I'm looking to raise money for it, so if anyone listening to this is in the position to fund a documentary, please email me at info at and I can send you some information about what the documentary is about and some of the materials I've produced in support of it. And there have been some cool developments with the documentary during this past year as well. It's also been a year of a lot of creative growth. For those of you who follow me on Instagram, my Obesity, Christianity, and Relationships series has been massively popular, and I hope to do episode three of that at the start of the new year. I think episode one has been my most liked post of all time. I've also produced a number of different reels for Instagram, so that's been very exciting, up-leveling my video production game. And another thing that I wanted to say, by the way, while we're here, is that everything you see from the Renaissance of Men is done by me. So every tweet that you read, every email newsletter, every Instagram graphic, every video, every reel, it doesn't matter. Everything you see from the Renaissance of Men is done by me. The only exception to that is the website, which was done by the magnificent Tigret agency here in Phoenix, Arizona. Brandon also did my photography, which you might see around from place to place. But aside from the photographs of me and the website, everything you see from the Renaissance of Men is done by me. So it's especially gratifying to have seen so much growth, particularly in the second half of this year. It's really rewarding to see so much fruit from all my different labors. And of course, from the podcast also. Many of you are listening right now. Probably some of you have been with me since the beginning, and I'm sure you've heard the creative growth over the past year as well. And so I did want to share some of the changes I'm going to be making in the podcast, just to let you know that they're up ahead. The first big change I'm going to make is that I'm going to try to move away from talking about masculinity, period. I'm going to try to change the conversation to talk about virtue or virtuous masculinity. One of the challenges with talking about masculinity, period, is that masculinity is amoral. It's not immoral. It's also not inherently moral. Masculinity can be used in immoral ways. It can also be used in moral ways. This is where the phrase toxic masculinity gets its power from that you can actually use masculinity counterproductively, both to your goals and other people. Virtue, on the other hand, is inherently positive. So, if we're talking about virtuous masculinity, I think that's something that everybody wants. And so, I'm going to try to start shifting the dialogue a little bit to go more towards talking about virtues or masculine virtues or virtuous masculinity. So, you're probably going to hear the word virtue quite a lot this year. That also explains why I chose the 100th episode guest that I did, but I'm not going to reveal that just yet. But the reason why I chose him as a guest is that he's uniquely qualified to talk about virtue from a philosophical perspective, and I'll just leave it there. I don't want to ruin the surprise. The other good thing about virtue is that virtue is not a unilateral conversation. There's no such thing as a solitary virtue. So if you think about strength, strength is a virtue, right? But strength alone can become counterproductive. Like, oh, he's just a strong man. He can lift heavy things, like, cool, right? But virtue has to live in constellation. So a strong man and an honorable man, those two virtues together are very good. A strong man, an honorable man, and a gracious man, even better. A strong man, an honorable man, a gracious man, and a wise man, even better. So as we talk about masculine virtues, you can begin stacking these virtues up to really become a truly well-rounded man and we can cultivate virtues individually. I think this is a much better way to talk about masculinity than saying masculinity is just this thing that men are lacking. Yes, that's true, but you can grow in your masculinity and still not know what you're going to direct your masculinity towards. So as we change the conversation from pure masculinity to virtuous masculinity, the virtues give the men direction for the masculinity to be applied to. And that really determines whether a man is a good man or not a good man. And obviously, as I think we'd all agree, we need more good, virtuous men, which means we need to have a discussion of what virtue is and how we can bring them to bear on our society today. So that's one of the changes you're going to hear over the course of this next year is much more conversation about virtue. So I apologize in advance if you hear me using that word a lot. Another thing that's going to change is my opening monologues are going to get a lot shorter. So right now, usually they run anywhere between 1,000 to 1,500 words, and I love doing them. The only problem with the opening monologues is they've started capturing some of my best thoughts, and they're captured in a format that can't really be shared. So I spend a lot of time, as you probably can imagine, writing these opening monologues and then reading them at the front end of four-hour podcasts. So here I am taking some of my very best thoughts and putting them in a format that can't be shared. Now, I do this in all sorts of ways. I enjoy sharing my thoughts when they come out, but I think a lot of people would really enjoy hearing my thoughts about courage or masculine virtues or, or whatever it is in a format that they can share with their friends. And so where those monologues are going to show up will be here, most likely. I'm going to aspire to start recording those essays here extemporaneously, kind of like I'm doing now, So it's not going to be taken away from the podcast. It's going to be added in, maybe in their own standalone episodes, or you'll see them on YouTube and I can take the audio and I can put it here. So you're not going to get less content from the Renaissance of Men. You're going to get the same amount, just parsed a little differently. Now that doesn't mean the intros are totally going away. I do think it's important for me as a podcast host to introduce my guests, but it doesn't need to be a long philosophical discourse before I tell you who they are. I may still do that from time to time for the right guest, but now with the shorter intros, we can also get straight to the interview, which I think is the part that most people want to hear. Now, certainly many of you enjoy the intros. I get feedback about that, which is why I'm going to continue doing them just in a different format. Another reason behind that is over the past couple years, I've really had the opportunity to develop my voice, as they say, and find out what it is that I have to say Uniquely in the space. And so I'd like to put more of my thoughts out there into the world so I can attract men and also women who want to hear what I have to say. And just on that point, before moving on to the next topic, I checked on Instagram today. 60% of my audience is men and 40% is women. I should also point out that my top two most downloaded podcasts of all time are by women, Alison Armstrong and Annalise from Feminine Not Feminist. And my most watched video on YouTube is Suzanne Venker. My second most watched video on YouTube, I think, is Pastor Doug Wilson with Christiana Hale. So it's not lost on me, the irony of doing a podcast called The Renaissance of Men and having some of my most popular episodes be women. But it's actually proof that what I'm doing is working. Because when I originally designed this brand, it was supposed to do three things. The first thing that it's supposed to do is that strong men should look at it and be able to see themselves reflected in it. It shouldn't be unfamiliar to strong men. The second thing that the brand has to do is appeal to aspirationally strong men. They have to feel like they can achieve the brand promise. And the third thing that the Renaissance of Men brand had to do was be non-threatening to women. It doesn't need to bow to women, but it needs to be non-threatening to women. So that women understand that entrusting men to the renaissance, they're not going to get back a tyrant. That was very, very important to me. So that some of my most successful episodes have been with women proves that I've succeeded and the men who listen to me prove that they see themselves reflected in the brand and the quality of guests that I've gotten demonstrates that it appeals to them as well. So this has been an enormous proof that what I set out to do with the renaissance of men has been succeeding in a really, really big way. If you're listening right now, I don't know whether you're a man or a woman or listening to this as a couple or with your family, but whoever you are, thank you for being a part of it. One of the other things that you're going to hear me talking a lot about over the course of the coming year is my 12-week Men's Renaissance Mentorship Program. It's something I've been working pretty hard on over the course of the past year, and you've probably heard many of the ads that I've played in the middle of the podcast episodes that have highlighted different aspects of the mentorship As I've been discovering, what do men really need? And I think one of the troubling aspects of the men's movement in general is that it's really susceptible to cults of personality. So what is a cult of personality? A cult of personality is when you get into a masculine content creator's orbit, and the sense that you get from everything that they're talking about is that they're trying to turn other men into mirror images of themselves. That's a cult of personality. What's going on there is that these men have these suppressed images of masculinity within themselves, and they get called forth by the image of the man that's in front of them. So a good example is Andrew Tate, but he's certainly not the only example. Joe Rogan is an example. Jordan Peterson is an example. Jocko Willink is an example. Joe Montana is an example. Michael Jordan is an example. Axel Rose is an example. Jay-Z is an example. George Clooney and Brad Pitt are examples. I think you get the idea. Now, what's going on there is that everyday men are taking these buried aspects of themselves, these buried, powerful, strong aspects of themselves, and projecting them onto the screen of other successful men. There's nothing inherently wrong with this, except for who you are as a man may have nothing to do with Axl Rose or Michael Jordan or Andrew Tate or Jordan Peterson. You are not the same man that he is. And real quick, to be fair, women do this too. This is where Oprah gets all of her power. Women also project the best aspects of themselves onto this avatar. Now again, that itself isn't bad, but that process allows those avatars to exploit men for money. What you're selling isn't actual masculine transformation. You're selling the feeling of it. Now, this is a very common thing. It's tragically common. And it's one of the reasons why I think men continue to be in the state they're in. I've often said that the men's movement tries to solve the problem of father hunger using lots of older brothers. What men truly need is fathers. And what a father is supposed to do is supposed to see the unique nature of his son and bring that out. That's in the ideal. Good fathers don't try to turn their sons into carbon copies of themselves. Now, unfortunately, if a man hasn't been properly fathered, you can't ever get that opportunity back. But what you can do is give him the opportunity to be supported and learn who he is for himself and learn how to express that. And that's entirely what my Renaissance Mentorship Program is about. Now, I'm not here to pretend that I'm anyone's father, because I'm not. But I do think that having gone on my own journey of transformation, I'm qualified to help lead men through a similar process. Also, if you remember my essay, To Lose the World and Gain My Soul, I've seen quite a lot of the world, and that's given me a perspective on not just human diversity, but masculine diversity. I've been to so many different countries and seen so many different cultures. I understand the things that make cultures unique, and that gives me an appreciation for the things that make men unique. Now, I have a mentor that I work with. His name is Glenn. And one of the things that he taught me is that men are like trees. All trees have the same general features, but no two trees are alike. So if you're trying to force a pine tree to be like an oak tree, that's not going to work so well. And you get a lot of that in the men's movement. I'm a pine tree. I'm the best example of trees in the world. Like, well, you're kind of adapted for one particular environment. And then you have another guy saying, I am an oak tree. I am the best tree in the world. It's like, well, maybe you're suited for that environment. And so you have a man coming into this environment trying to sort out who am I? Do I be a pine tree? Do I be an oak tree? What if that man is a spruce tree? Now, I'm dragging this metaphor probably a little bit further than it needs to go, but I think you get a sense of the problem. Each man is unique, every man is unique. He has his own story. He has his own upbringing. He has his own unique needs, wants, and hopes, and dreams. And to say that every man should fit into the mold of some other man, I think not only dishonors the man himself, but masculinity in general. And the thing is, this shouldn't be controversial. Because if you've seen the movies or read the books, The Lord of the Rings, you recognize that you have Aragorn, Gandalf, Legolas, Gimli, Frodo, Sam. Theoden, Theodred, Mary, Pippin, and so many others. And all of the men in this story look at each other and regard each other as men, but they're not looking at each other and saying, you're less of a man than me because you don't look like me. In fact, the whole story of the Lord of the Rings is a bunch of different men learning to work together despite their differences. For the salvation of a kingdom. And so that's the spirit that I bring to my Renaissance mentorship program. As I'm not trying to turn men into carbon copies of me or carbon copies of any other man, I want them to understand who they are and have that find expression in their life with the things that they do and the people that they love. And I'm very proud of this program. As I think back to the clients I've seen, they've had enormous success. And I look at that and I say, this is the result of their efforts to become the men that they want to be. And that's the thing that's most exciting to me, to see all these men becoming their image of themselves, not the image of another man or even me. And so that's a big part why the Renaissance of Men brand had to be non-threatening to women. Because I want women to know, I want your girlfriends to know, I want your wives to know that if you trust yourself to this program you're not going to come back a totally different and transformed man in a way that your wife or girlfriend or mother or sisters won't recognize. You'll become the version of yourself that I hope they'll have seen within you all along, maybe with some surprises as well. A big part of how I do that is through the things you've heard on this podcast. I do a lot of listening. I do a lot of asking questions. I do a lot of pointing out, did you catch that you said that? Because I find that so many men don't actually have anyone to listen to them. Men are often renowned for being good at doing rather than talking. And men certainly don't relate to each other in the same way women do where they relate through talking just in general. So creating the space for men to share about themselves, about their lives, about their experiences, about their desires, about their fears, really gives them the opportunity to see themselves and hear themselves in a space that they wouldn't get anywhere else. Now, this might sound a little bit like therapy, and it actually does borrow a little bit from therapy. Now, remember, you've probably heard me say that I wanted to be a psychotherapist once upon a time, but decided to go into coaching instead, because what I realize is that most men don't actually need therapy. They don't need to get in deep to the deep levels of trauma that are generating truly clinical depression and anxiety. There are men for that that do a fantastic job. Dr. Sean T. Smith at Iron Shrink on Twitter, Ken Curry, who you've heard of my podcast as well, at Solid Man on Twitter. Both of these men are highly skilled therapists. And if you're looking for a therapist in particular, I'd be happy to contact them and find a therapist for you. But what I realize is that I don't think most men really need that. I think what they need is a feeling of efficacy in the world, which is why they need coaching. They need someone to guide them towards their habits being transformed, towards doing new things in the world and seeing that they can be effective in their lives. Now in the process of that, men often come up against self-limiting beliefs, things that they think about themselves that aren't true, and that's where a little bit of therapy and listening can come through, where I can tell a man like, hey, did you just catch that you called yourself stupid? And now I'm going to point out after having talked to you for hours and hours, all the different ways with examples in your life of how you are not actually stupid. These are things that men say about themselves all the time, like, oh, I'm so stupid, or I'll never amount to anything. And these are lies. So in the process of transforming habits, these beliefs come up. And so in the process of the mentorship, we switch between working on habits and working on beliefs because they reinforce each other. Now, for me, this requires a lot of listening and a lot of check-ins and a lot of time. And that's why you've heard me talk about 12 conversations with me in one of my recent ads about the mentorship. Because those conversations are where the real meat of the work gets done, where I get to understand who is this man talking to me? Where does he come from? What does he value? What's important to him? What does he want out of life? In other words, how can I help him become the man he's made to be? And how can I help him achieve that? The mentorship itself unfolds over three phases. I describe them as position, trajectory, and momentum. Where are you? Where are you headed? And how fast are you going there? So the three phases are first, trajectory. The first four sessions are understanding where you're at and the direction you're going and spending some time to turn the wheel to get you pointed in a direction that you want to go. The next four sessions are about momentum. So feeding energy into that new direction to begin building momentum towards your desired goals. And then the final three sessions are about position, really stepping on the gas so that at the end of 12 weeks, You finish in a very different place than where you began, so much so that you can look back and say, How did I get there from here? And that is the magic of the mentorship. Now, I'm so confident in this process, and I really mean this, that the mentorship comes with my personal guarantee. And my guarantee is that in 12 conversations, we will significantly change the trajectory of your life as a man permanently, or I will work with you until we do. That's how much it means to me to help men become the images of themselves, not any other man. And the final piece that I use to help men do that is what I call the men's life map, which is the four pillars of health and the three spheres of life. This is something that I developed at the very start of the mentorship program a couple years ago. And now I'm getting to put it into practice with the men and really see them get it as they understand how to orient themselves in terms of their relationship to themselves and then their relationship to their life. And the more that I explore the four pillars of health and the three spheres of life and the overall diagram of the men's life map, the deeper the thing goes. I'm really kind of blown away by it, which is why I'm going to be producing a course about the men's life map specifically this year. But men who become part of the mentorship get training in the men's life map as part of the mentorship program. And so that's just a small overview of some of the information that I have available about the mentorship. You can find out much more by going to renofmen.com mentorship. And when you're there, you can see video testimonials of some of my clients, and you can read much more. In fact, I'm adding to the page basically every day. So if you keep checking back every day, you'll probably see new additions to different aspects of the program that I'm putting into text and to graphics. Once again, that URL is renofmen.com mentorship. On the page, you'll see the link to an enrollment form If you fill out that form and you book an Explore call and mention the code INTRODUCTION, I'm happy to offer 15% off the mentorship for the month of January 2023. One thing you should know about the program is there's a lot of interaction with me. There's a lot of conversation. There's a lot of check-ins. This isn't the sort of program where I give you my magic 12-step bedtime and morning routine, and we check in for 15 minutes a week to see how you're doing. This is a genuine mentorship with real investment from me into men's success. And really this is where I take all the values that have informed the renaissance of men and I help put them into practice in men's lives. So I'm very excited to tell you about this and please visit renofmen.com mentorship. And if you fill out the form for an explore call and you book the call, mention the code introduction for 15% off all during the month of January, 2023. And before I wrap up for the year, I just wanted to thank my listener, Charlie Montez. I think that's how you say his name. He was kind enough to send me a PDF with some of his poetry. And I was reading through it, and I was really enjoying it. And I felt that it might be good to close out the year with one of his poems that I'm happy to share with you now with his permission. And that poem is called The Race. And to me, it sums up a lot of what this year has been about for me, it's definitely been one of the harder years of my life. However, amidst all of that, it's also been one of the most successful years. And that's sometimes how things go, but it definitely leaves me with a lot of excitement and hope for the new year. So once again, thank you so much for listening to the Renaissance of Men, for being a part of the growth of this podcast, of my entire project. And I'm looking forward to sharing much more with you in the year to come. So, to close out 2023, here is the poem, The Race, by Charlie Montez. When my lungs feel like they would burst, when burning legs are at their worst, and tempted to desert the trial, and not to give it another mile, when growth is all but here perceived, and I question what I believe, and I know not what I'm to do, but view the ribbon firm and true, I greet the goal of my sorrow, cross today, crown tomorrow.